the name of Jesus, the light of the world. Amen. You may be seated. Well, now that the uh, 12 days of Christmas have come and gone, and we have entered the season of Epiphany, and the decorations will soon come down here in the church house, I would imagine that uh, some of you are already beginning uh, to use the Christmas gifts that you received this year, as I have begun to uh, read the book I had asked for. I've already worn the sweatshirt that uh, I was given. Uh, But there is one gift Uh, that literally stands out among all the rest because this Christmas, much to my surprise, I was given the gift of me, which is to say that for Christmas this year, I was given a bobblehead of me. And, uh, you know, like all other bobbleheads, there are some distortions in this, and it, it doesn't look exactly like me, or as one of my children said, you know, it's actually better than the real thing. <laughs> and yet the details are there, and uh, they are sufficient that everyone who has seen it has looked at it and said, hey, it's you. A few others of you have said that uh, even though I've served this great congregation all these years and uh, I have three degrees, including an honorary doctorate and all the rest, in their words, you have finally arrived. (laughs) And I won't tell you who gave this to me, but uh, her initials are Jennifer Twombly. (laughs) And so with that little bit of fun, over a haunting image of bobble-headed me, we come from the 12 days of Christmas to the time of Epiphany, as the story of Christmas actually goes on with the visit of the wise men, or magi in Greek, who were basically part of a long centuries-old line of religious astrologers from the East, which is to say ancient Persia, which is to say modern-day Iraq or Iran, or Saudi Arabia, who spent their lives studying the relationship between the stars and the course of human events. And this particular group of wise men, or magi, as they are called, follow the light of a star to the little town of Bethlehem where they visit the infant Jesus. And they bring him Christmas presents that he would use in some very mysterious and dramatic ways because these gifts have everything to do in the whole wide world with who he really was. Uh, Although it is also true uh, that uh, this story also comes with its own share of uh, distortions which have evolved over the course of time, one of which says uh, that these wise men were kings, where Matthew never stipulates that and uh, it has come to be thought of as uh, the feast of the three kings, uh, perhaps because of the association or the connection with the lesson you heard from uh, the prophet Isaiah, or words like Psalm 62 or 72, which says that uh, the kings would come and bow down before him. Another of which is that there were three of them, uh, which Matthew does not stipulate either, Uh, even though the three probably correlates to the number of gifts, the gold, the frankincense, and the 
myrrh, even though we know from history that magi uh, tended to travel in much larger groups of 12 or even more of them. And uh, the biggest distortion of all is that in spite of the fact that we put the magi or the wise men into our nativity scenes, uh, into our artwork, into our Christmas carols and songs, and they are typically the last to arrive at the manger during the children's Christmas pageant, it is virtual certainty that they were never at the manger the night that Jesus was born. Sorry. <laughs> because Matthew tells us that they actually arrived sometime later. In fact, uh, they even stopped in the city of Jerusalem to ask for uh, directions to Bethlehem, which is about six miles south of Jerusalem, after which they go on to Bethlehem and they find Jesus in what Matthew describes as a house because he is no longer in the manger that we find described in the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, nevertheless, uh, in spite of those distortions, uh, the true story of the visit of the Magi or the wise men uh, comes with no shortage of intrigue and suspense and drama and also great beauty. Because when they first arrive in Jerusalem, there is this chilling moment when they ask Herod for directions to the one who was born the king of the Jews, which would have caused Herod's blood to run cold because he was the king of the Jews. And here are these wise men from a far off land, from another nation, already referring to Jesus himself by that very same title, which then triggers Herod's attempt at trickery to get these magi, these wise men, to locate Jesus so that in the words of Herod, I can bow down and pay him homage, which was a lie because what he really wanted to do was have the threat of Jesus completely removed and obliterated. But wise men do not play along with leaders like Herod. And so with a little help of Jewish prophecy and the light of that guiding star, they go off by themselves to Bethlehem. They find Jesus in this house where he and his family were staying, and they bow down and they pay him a homage, kind of like the Prince of Wales did at his father's coronation last spring at Westminster Abbey in London. And after which, they give him their Christmas gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, after which they do not return to Herod in spite of his request. But in the beautiful words of Matthew, they depart for their own country by another road. All of which brings us to uh, a question, which is, well then, other than clearing up a few distortions about the visit of the Magi, why does this matter to us? What's it saying to us? Why is this passage important to you and me today? My answer to those questions are really two in number as we come to the beginning of this season known as epiphany, which literally means appearance or manifestation of the presence of God in our lives. And the first has to do with who Jesus came for and who Jesus was born for in the first place. 
Because in the story of Christmas, which we find in Luke chapter 2, we find ourselves meeting a group of shepherds, Bethlehem shepherds, Jewish shepherds, who were watching over their flocks by night, abiding in the fields, who were in the context of first century Palestinian culture, really the lowest of low in all of society. And these are the ones of all people who get front row seats at the birth of the world's promised Messiah. Because at the end of the day, Jesus was born for them. In Matthew chapter two, we have a group of Gentile magi who were not numbered among the children of Israel, who were of another religion. They were of another land. They were of higher class. But they too come to worship Jesus and to pay him homage because Jesus also came for them. And so when you put the wise men, these uh, Gentile wise men, together with the Jewish shepherds in the nativity scene, in the artwork, in the Christmas carols, in the children's pageant, what emerges is a picture that is entirely accurate, theologically, if not historically. Because what you see in that picture is a God who has come into this world for everybody. And that's why the, the story is important to you and to me and to the people that you and I would invite and welcome into the presence of Jesus. The other part of my answer has to do with the gifts themselves and uh, with the gifting of uh, the Magi who come to Jesus and uh, they do not give him a brand new bobblehead of baby Jesus, which I am sure exists somewhere in this world. But what they do give him are gifts that represent him. They are prophetic gifts. And they tell the story of his destiny. Because gold is the gift that is fit for a king. Incense is what the priests in the temple would use to make sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. Myrrh is what was used, among other things, to prepare a body for burial when someone had died. And when you put those gifts together, what you get is him, at least symbolically. You get the story of his destiny. You get the one who came into this world to be your Lord and King, to be our great high priest, to be the one who sacrifices his life for the people that he forever loves. What you get is the gift of himself, life and salvation, as he comes to gift us with his presence, to re-gift us today with forgiveness, to re-re-gift us with comfort, with purpose, and with promise, and with eternal hope, so that we can respond by gifting him
with us, with ourselves, with our time, our possessions, signs of great, great uh, love of God, with our, our witness for Christ and our willingness to let this world know that Jesus came for everybody. Or as a wise man in my own life uh, wrote to me in a note that he left on my desk uh, many years ago, God has given you gifts so that you can give them right back to God. And so it is, in case you haven't figured it out, that this whole tradition of gift giving at Christmas time has its origin in the visit of the Magi and the gifts they brought to the infant Jesus, which can only mean that I owe my bobblehead and the me that it represents, not only to my friend Jennifer, but to the Magi, and most of all, to the child of Bethlehem. Well, there are a lot of stories and traditions about uh, what happened to these guys uh, after their journey to Bethlehem was complete, and they went on, one of which says that uh, they were baptized by St. Thomas while he was on his way to India. Another one has their remains gathered together in the city of Constantinople and then later transferred to the cathedral in Cologne, Germany, where to this day you can visit the shrine of the three kings. None of that is biblical. And uh, there are certainly those who have their doubts and questions about it. But one thing that is beyond dispute comes from the words of a man by the name of Gregory the Great, the Bishop of Rome in the late 500s, who in his commentary of the visit of the Magi from Matthew chapter 2 said of them, and I hope and I pray of you and me, that once you have met Jesus, you cannot return to the road on which you came. And so as you and I journey uh, through the joys and the sorrows and the challenges and the great adventures of 2024, I would encourage you not to hesitate to stop and ask for directions for your life. Because as the old saying goes, wise men and women still seek him. And they still refuse to play along with leaders like Herod. Most importantly, I encourage you to know today, again, that whoever you are and wherever you came from, you have a Savior who can be found, who comes to give us the gift of his, himself to re-gift us with forgiveness, to re-re-gift us with comfort, meaning, purpose, hope, life, love, and the fellowship of his people so that we can respond by his grace and to his grace by gifting him, by giving him ourselves, our lives, by loving him, by loving one another and helping this world to know that he came for everybody so that by his grace, and the work of his gifts in your life, somebody might look at you and say, hey, that looks like Jesus. And we are forever changed as we then walk together in the light, as we journey forward with the star of our life, 
and as we celebrate in the family of God a world of great epiphanies. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to rise as we confess our faith together.